0: Thank Brother Britt for uh, his comments this morning on love. Kind of leads right into what we're going to spend most of our time talking about this afternoon. We're going to talk about the other end of that spectrum. What happens when you don't love? And particularly how do we respond to sin in this world? You see, sin is very prevalent. It's all around us. We see it. We get angry at it. And This has been on my mind lately and kind of goes back to some of what I talked about last time I spoke probably, but I want to go into it a little bit deeper uh, and think about it a little bit more because it's a problem. We can get so angry about sin that we let hate creep into our lives. And that hate, not just for the sin, but that hate for the people that are committing those sins. And we can really get bogged down by that. I want to illustrate that with a few headlines. Uh, Just this last week, a woman was arrested for a plot to kill workers at a Planned Parenthood. And these were workers that were assisting people uh, with abortions, performing abortions. And in the name of Jesus, she was going to go and kill those people. Now is what they're doing right? No. That's uh, they're committing murder. They're, they're committing sin by doing that. Not right at all. What was she going to do? She was going to commit murder. She traded sin for sin. Because she felt so strongly about that. She was going to put a stop to it. She's going to commit murder. She was going to kill those people in the name of Christ. And so, what do people do then? They say, "Well, those Christians just—they're—they're full of hate. They're full of bitterness. How is that any better?" And the people in the world can justify it by looking at that and saying they're not any better. They're not any different. A man kills his abusive parents twenty years after he leaves his home. It's not self-defense. Not an act of self-defense at all. He had time to stew on it for 20 years after he left his home, and then he went back and he killed his parents. Not with what they did, right? Absolutely not. The most grieve, one of the most grievous things I can think of to abuse your own child, to harm them in that way, but to go back 20 years later, how's that? How's that any different? How is that setting you apart? How is that letting your light shine? How is that loving people like Brother Britt talked about this morning? 49 people killed at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. Now, this was not a man that did this in the name of Christ. In fact, he did this in, in, in the name of Allah, of his God. But these people were homosexuals. In an establishment where they were... Um, Getting drunk, being filled with excess, living a lifestyle that's the Bible calls an abomination. What were they doing? Uh, what what they were doing was not right. It's sin. But what he did was just as sinful. Trade sin for sin. Finally, an 18-year-old was arrested after making terroristic threats against mosques and synagogues. And they found bomb-making materials in his home. He's getting ready to blow up a mosque. That's where Muslims worship. That's what they're doing right. They deny Jesus. The Bible says anybody that denies Christ, let him be called an antichrist. They're denying Jesus. But he's going to blow them up. And you may be sitting there thinking, I'm not going to go that extreme. Give me a break. I'm not, I'm not going to go kill anybody. But will you let there, sit there and let hate and bitterness build up in you to the point where you become numb and desensitized to these people to the point where you hate them and you can't respond to them in love like Brother Britt talked about this morning but rather you respond to them in hate where you don't care about converting them you don't care about saving them you don't care about their soul anymore. And I'll be honest I worry a little bit about myself turning into a hateful old man. <laughs> I could see myself turning into a hateful old man if I don't watch out. If I don't guard myself against those things, maybe you're that way too. We've got to watch out against ourselves. Here's an example in the Scriptures. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 22. The Bible says, And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon. Because he had forced his sister Tamar. If you remember the story, you know how Amnon went to went to Tamar and he, he raped her. Terrible sin, terrible sin. And Absalom looked at him, his brother, who had done this this thing, and he hated him. He hated him because of it. Can you relate? I can. You gonna hurt my family? You're going to do evil to my family? You're going to harm my family? I'm going to come get you. That's what Absalom thought. He thought that was right. Trading sin for sin. That's what hate is. It's a vicious, vicious cycle of trading a sin for another sin. It's what the devil wants. The devil can't get you caught by catching you up in that sin. He can't get you by the temptations of all those things. He's going to get you by making you hate those people. He's going to make you hate those people and you're going to trade a sin for a sin. And what did Absalom do? Absalom commanded his servants saying, Mark ye now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine and when I say unto you, smite Amnon, then kill him. He said, you kill him. He said, I'm going to get him drunk and you're going to kill him. We're going to take care of this problem. Why? Because he hated him. Did he have a right? It's kind of hard, isn't it? Looks like he had the right to hate him. If anybody had a right to ever hate anybody, Absalom had the right to hate Amnon. But he traded sin for sin. And so that begs the question, is it ever okay to hate? Is it ever okay? Does God ever approved that? Well, look at the Psalms. Psalms 97 and verse 10, ye that love the Lord hate Evil. He so said, I hate evil. You love the Lord, you hate evil. God hates sin. Bible says over and over again and, and, and illustrates God's hatred for sin. So is it okay to hate sin? Sure. We're supposed to hate sin. We're supposed to look at sin and have a disdain for it, a hatred for it. Psalm 31 and verse 6 I've hated them that regarded lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. David said he hated them that regarded lying vanities. Jude 1 and verse 23, I really like this verse. It says, And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. All right, so it starts to boil it down for us. We can hate sin. We're supposed to hate sin. It says here, hate the garment spotted by the flesh. You hate your flesh? I do. I hate it. I hate that it wants to yield to the temptations of this life. I hate that it does things that my spirit does not want to do. I hate it. I hate the flesh of every person because the flesh is only evil. The flesh fulfills the evil temptations and evil lusts, and out of the flesh come all these terrible things. We ought to hate it. We ought to hate the flesh. But we need to remember something as well. Behind every flesh, behind every sin, there is a soul that's worth saving. You see, it's not the person you should hate. The the most evil, the most vile person is not someone whose soul you should hate. The actions, it's okay to hate. Hate those actions. But it says of the Son of Man that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus didn't hate souls. In fact, the verse that Brother Britt read this morning says much the opposite. That God sent His Son to come into the world because He loved us. He loved the world, so much so that he would send his son to die. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Christ came to save sinners. Why? Because the souls were saving. And It's okay to hate that sin, but it's not okay to hate that sinner. And when we hate people, when we begin to develop a hatred for the people behind the sin, then that's where the problem lies. That's where Satan's getting what he wants. When we develop a hatred for people. We're supposed to love people. As Brother Britt talked about this morning. God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed us His love. He's demonstrated that love. That he can look past the sin, he can look past the evil, and he can love the soul, and he can offer opportunities, and he can offer salvation. He did that for you and I. Hating people is a worldly characteristic. It's a worldly characteristic. Loving people is a godly characteristic. And people should be able to differentiate the church from the world because the church should love people. You love people no matter what. You know, we get this, and Brother Jimmy referenced this a few weeks ago, that when we speak out against sin today, the world wants to classify it as hate speech. They want to say it's hate speech when we speak out against sin. How did we get that reputation? It's because some Christians hated people. And it was hate speech. And people latched onto that and they said, See there when they speak out against because they hate you. Now, we'll talk later on in our lesson that disagreement and hate's not the same thing. Not the same thing at all. We can disagree, we can speak out against things without hating people. But hate itself's a worldly characteristic. It says here in Titus 3 and 3 For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, li- living in malice and envy hateful and hating one another. He's referring to those people there in the church that used to be in the world. And he's saying you remember in those times past that we did these things. And look at the things he lists there. Being hateful and hating one another. Those were distinguishing characteristics of being without Christ, being in the world. Shouldn't surprise us when we see people in the world do hateful things. It's a a distinguishing characteristic. And if we're hateful and we're hating one another, guess what? That's a characteristic of the world. We're in the world. We're serving the world when we have that hate in our heart. And when we do that, it causes the truth to be evil spoken of. Second Peter chapter 2, and in verse 1, he's talking about false prophets and false teachers. And we think about false prophets and false teachers, and we think about all the different doctrines that they teach and all the different things they do, And it says here that many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the truth shall be evil spoken of. And we can, can think about and picture in our mind those false teachers, teaching things that draw away disciples after them, teaching all these false things. You know, hatred is one of those things. People have taught other Christians to hate, to hate people. Not hate just sin, but hate people. To hate the people that commit those sins. To despise them insomuch so much so that we go back to that list we started this sermon with that they'll think it's okay to go kill. They'll think it's okay to go take someone else's life because those folks are sinners. Those folks are doing vile and evil things. And that just gives the world a reason to point to the church and say, look at that bunch of hateful, hateful, people don't care about me don't care about what I need they're just going to be hateful to me when they see me why would I listen to them why do they offer me anything that I don't have in the world I like first John chapter 3 verses 11 through 18 and brother Britt referenced several of these verses this morning as well but gives a good contrast gives a good contrast between love and hate Uh, and the differences that we see there. So let's read through these verses and make some comments as we go through there. It says, For this uh, is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. So he backs way up, way up near the beginning, and he starts to contrast this. He said, Look, you've got to love one another. Your job as people is to love one another, not hate one another. He said, don't be like Cain, who saw his brother, got jealous of his brother, developed hatred for his brother, and eventually killed him. That's what hate does. Hate will lead to murder. And as you're going to see in in John here, he references that throughout this passage. He says, my brethren, if the world hate you... See, we have to deal with that all the time and we get frustrated with it because the world hates us and the world makes up evil things about us and the world does speak evil of the truth and that frustrates us and we want to then turn that around and hate them back. Indeed, we're told not to love the world. Shouldn't we hate the world? Well, it gets complicated, doesn't it? We've got to hate those actions without hating those people. Our job is to love people. Marvel not when the world hates you. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We know that we've passed from death unto life. Well, that's big. That's big. That's a signifying mark of the church to love one another. If we're not loving one another, we hadn't passed from death unto life. We're still living in the world. We may have went through the motions, we may have obeyed the gospel, we may have done all, we may have checked all the boxes and done all the things that it says to do, but if you're not loving one another, if you don't love one another, you haven't passed from death unto life. He said that he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. there's that word again. See, you don't actually have to pull the trigger. You don't have to go to the nightclub and shoot up the people. You don't have to use the bomb to blow the people up. You hate. You hate your brother. You're a murderer. You know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. So again, the contrast between love and hate. You see your brother in need, you don't do anything about it. That's hate. It's the contrast between love and hate. Brother Britt talked about this morning, Those dead, that dead faith. <laughs> faith in works. You see the need and you sit on your hands and you don't do anything about it. That's not love. That's not real love. That's hate. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So John paints this good picture of the contrast between love and hate. How are you going to respond to sin? Are you going to respond with love? You respond with hate. I'd like to know one example of somebody that's converted another person with hate. I just don't know about it. I don't know how you could do it. Now that verse we read uh, in Jude said that you can convert someone with fear. You got to be smart enough. You got to be. Uh, you got to know how to read the lay of people and and how they're going to react. And you may need to scare them a little bit. You may need to put some fear in them. Brother David talked last week about fearing God. You better be afraid of God. Because God is going to punish all this stuff. God's going to take care of it. It's not our job to go and, and implement the vengeance. It's God's job and He's going to take care of it. You better fear God. And so you can convert someone by putting some fear into them and pulling them out of the fire. But that doesn't mean you hate them. You can't convert somebody if you hate them. Because you don't care about them anymore. You've lost your compassion. You've lost your love. Now, love on the other hand, you can convert people with love. People respond to love. It may take longer than you want it to. You may have to play the long game when you're converting somebody with love, but you can do it. You can do it. So the rest of our study, I want to look at at four things real briefly that I think can help us avoid hating people. Keep us from turning into a hateful old man or a hateful old woman. Do these things. Number one, realize that you do not have to hate someone to disagree with with their actions. I'm afraid this is one of the biggest misconceptions in the world is that if I disagree with you, I hate you. It's a problem. There are very few things we can all agree on. We're going to have disagreements. You love your spouse. I hope you do. Do you agree with them all the time? (laughs) No way. No way. Every day you disagree with your spouse, and yet you love them. Do you love your children? Absolutely. Do you let them do everything they want to do? Do you agree with everything they do, every choice they make? Not at all. It's not a complicated subject, but yet when it's somebody outside of our immediate family and we disagree with them, oh, pff, must hate you. Or they must hate me, or maybe I've got to hate them because they do that. And we start to put these labels on people and say, anybody does that, they can't serve Christ. If they going to do that, we disagree, so we hate. We don't have to do that. Disagreement doesn't equal hate. Proverbs 27 and verse 5, open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke. It's our job to speak out against these sins. We can't just say it's okay to go and do these sins, to live in adultery, to live in fornication, to be a homosexual, to live in drunkenness, to live in hate, to live in malice towards your neighbor. The Bible lists these sins out. It's our job as Christians to speak out against these things. You have to. If you're gonna serve the Lord, but that doesn't mean you hate the people that are doing them. And the Bible reminds us over and over, remember in time past you did that stuff? Yeah, you. You did it. You lived in that sin. So why are you going to hate someone who's doing what you used to do? All they need is Jesus. Jesus is the great equalizer. All they need is Christ. And they're just like you. They're saved just like you. Sin's washed away just like you. Everything just like you. You're not better than them. Why are you going to hate them? But you need to tell them. You need to love them enough to tell them. We'll get back to that in, in a few minutes. Practice empathy and compassion. I read somewhere, I don't know if it's the truth, it was a a study that people had done of of younger people. Uh, It was related to bullying, was was kind of the concept of the study. And people, the, the study that they did said these young people had lost their ability to empathize with somebody else. They just couldn't empathize with them anymore couldn't feel what they were feeling, couldn't put themselves in their shoes, and so they'd they would they'd bully people because they didn't know how it made them feel. They didn't understand how it made them feel. You know, Christ was really good about having empathy and compassion. We can read several verses that show that. Uh, and how, how he did that. In 1 Peter 3 and 8, it says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Have compassion. Think about the situation that led up to, to where those people are that are in sin. You're studying with someone in sin or you see someone in sin, and rather than just jumping to conclusions and developing that hatred for them, put yourself in their shoes. What if you had had an abusive family growing up? What if your parents had abused you, and misused you, and kicked you out? Might be a little bit harder to develop trust for people. Might be a little bit harder to love people. And so you've got to put yourself in their shoes. It doesn't make doesn't make sin it all right to condone the sin they're involved in, but it will help you relate. A little bit better and Christ commands us to do this I think about this verse in John 4 verses 9 and 10 it says uh, you know as Jesus talked to that woman at the well she she came to Jesus and said uh, how is it that thou being a Jew ask drink of me which am a woman of Samaria for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans Jesus talked to her like she was a friend He talked to her and and had compassion on her and had empathy for her. You know, he didn't condone what she was doing. Later on, she talked about the fact that she didn't have a husband. And he he rebuked her for that. He did it very kindly and very meekly, but he rebuked her for that. He didn't let her off the hook for her sin, but he sure didn't jab it down her throat. He sure didn't, didn't rub it in her face and make her feel terrible for the sins that she had committed. He's offering life. He's offering the water of life. He says there that he answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Jesus was kind. He was compassionate. He was empathetic. Next thing is to be thankful. We need to be thankful for what we've been given. Romans 6 and 17, God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. We've learned the gospel and been obedient to the gospel. Be thankful for that. And that will remind you that when someone else is given that gift, when someone else learns of that gift, they can have the same uh, same opportunities that you have. First Corinthians six and eleven, such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He had just listed a, a large list of sins there that people had been caught up in. He said, You used to do that, but now you're washed. And when we're thankful for that and we remember that, it's going to help us to, to have a different perspective towards those that are committing those sins. Be thankful for your family. Be thankful for the opportunities you've been given through your family. And let that remind you that sometimes folks don't have those same opportunities, those same blessings. They've got more to overcome. A lot of difficulties to, to work through. And then finally, develop a, a loving attitude. Just have a loving attitude towards people. Care about people. Put the sins aside and just love them for their soul. Well, the Bible says that we're, like Brother Brett talked about this morning, we're flesh, we're spirit, we're soul. We don't have to love that flesh. That flesh is evil. You don't have to love that flesh. But you better love their soul. You better love their soul. And that's what Jesus could look at and see. He could see the soul. He could love the soul. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 21. It says Jesus beholding him loved him. We call this the rich young ruler. And this young man had listed all these things he had kept from his youth up. But one thing he hadn't done is he had been a covetous person. He had been greedy. And he had heaped to himself this world's riches. And he had that. And Jesus beholding him loved him. He could have said, you greedy, filthy, dirty dog. Get out of my face. You're going to pretend you're this righteous man. And you're going to pretend you've done all these things. You're nothing but a greedy, dirty dog. Get out of here. It's not what Jesus Jesus loved him, but he didn't let him off the hook either, did he? He said, one thing thou likest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, and follow me. He loved him. But he knew there was a problem. He knew there was a sin. You see, that goes back to that disagreement does not equal hate. Jesus wasn't going to let him off the hook. But he wasn't going to be mean to him either. He wasn't going to be terrible to him. He's going to treat him like a person. He's going to respect him. <clears throat> John 8, verses 10 uh, and 11, it says, When Jesus had lifted him up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Had no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. This woman was caught in adultery. In the act of adultery, they pulled her in, and uh, said, the law says stoner, what would you have us to do? And Jesus said, whoever's without sin cast the first stone. And they they were convicted, they got up, they left. Jesus had compassion on this woman. By the letter of the law, he, he could have stoned her. He was without sin. Those people could have stoned her. The law never said you had to be without sin in order to stone somebody. That's not what the law said. The law said if someone's caught in the act of adultery, you stone them with stones. You kill them. They had every right to do that. But that wasn't what Jesus is about. Jesus is about compassion. Jesus is about love. And that's why the book of John says, A new commandment right unto thee, that ye love one another as I have loved you. The old law commanded love. The new law commanded us to love like Jesus loved. And that means looking at people for their soul. Developing that loving attitude. As we close, I want to read this verse in Romans 12. It says uh, in verse 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto the wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what it all boils down to, isn't it? We can't act like the world acts. The characteristic of the world is hate. And they're going to hate us. And they're going to speak evil of us. Don't get surprised and don't get frustrated. It is to be expected, it's part of life. When you signed on to be a Christian, when you obeyed the gospel, you signed on to a life where people are going to ridicule you, where people are going to hate you just for who you are and what you stand for. That doesn't give you the right to hate them back. Doesn't give you the right to hate them back. You signed on to love. Respond with love. It says, if your enemy hungers, feed him. Who, who is our enemy? Who is our enemy? Well, we can probably list a long list of those that really uh, hate us from other countries, other places, that want to do us harm, that have tried to harm us for just living in this country, for just being us. But really, the Bible says that whoever's the friend of the world is the enemy of God. The world is our enemy. The world is our enemy. And so all these folks out in the periphery in the world living in sin, you could classify them as enemies. What does it say? take care of them, love them, feed them, help them, serve them. But above all, don't hate them. Don't no, hate them. Be not overcome with evil. It's what the devil wants. It's what the devil wants. He wants to see us hate other people. He wants to turn us against people because that'll kill the church. Church is made to save sinners. It is is the body of Christ. Christ came into this world to seek and to save the lost. Christ came into this world to save sinners. Christ came to help people that were lost in sin. And when we turn our backs on people that were lost in sin because we develop hatred for them, the devil has won. We cannot do that.